Welcome to the Real Uniting Church podcast with Scott and Marty. In this series, we go in search of the core identity of the Uniting Church in this its 40th year and where we might go in the years to come. Join us. G'day and welcome to this month's episode of the Real Uniting Church podcast. A special two-part episode this month as we explore the Uniting Church's engagement in rural and remote Australia. In part one, Marty will chat with the Reverend Kay Ronalds. And in part two, I'll chat further with the Reverend Arthur Tewton. Let's dive right in and join Marty and Kay. Is it fair to say that being part of rural and remote communities is in the Uniting Church DNA? I think that's a really good way to put it because in most of the country towns, there were people who at some stage in the last 100 or 150 years decided they wanted to have uh, their own church of their own particular brand. And uh, that meant that we have a legacy of lots of mostly wooden buildings, but some uh, lovely brick buildings as well. So we have a kind of a property footprint, but there's also uh, across the rural areas the, where the people are producing um, crops and sheep and cat running cattle, they've often had a real sense of belonging to the church, even though they can't attend very often. And for some of them, their uh, faith development happens when they meet occasionally with a patrol padre or when there's a crisis. And I think that's the other thing about country life is often there are disasters the long drawn out kind like the droughts which just eat away at people's soul and then there are the uh, really impactful like our cyclone Debbie earlier in the year uh, and then there are things like car accidents and uh, bus crashes and um, helicopters falling out of the sky when they're mustering so all of those kind of events means that people on the land are asking questions about uh, where is God in the midst of my joys and celebrations but where is God when really hard stuff happens. Mm. What are some of the unique challenges that face the rural church? Um, Obviously finance to support a stipended ministry agent is one of the challenges but it's not just that and I'll probably come back to talking about that. The um, population decline in country areas has been significant and that's not a new thing, that's been probably happening for 20, 25, maybe 30 years. Um, And, but also it's the leaders from communities where there used to be a regular influx of uh, bank tellers, new teachers, shire council workers, whether that's maybe the shire engineer or Um, the local librarian. That meant that uh, country centres had a fairly regular influx of new people, people who brought fresh ideas, people who brought some energy and um, people who who said, well, you know, we don't really maybe belong out here, but we're prepared and, and, and looking forward to being part of what you do here in your community and learning from you. So I think that's one of the things that the country centres miss. How, how is that model different to the fly-in, fly-out models that we're seeing in some, uh, some rural areas now? I think the uh, two things about the fly-in, fly-out thing is that the, uh, the community that relinquishes those people for their 
whatever it is, it's 10 day shifts, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Uh, the community that relinquishes them suffer somewhat because the people uh, cease to invest in their local community because they're probably pretty tired by the time they get home or they need to reconnect with family or hobbies or um, uh, pastimes, whatever it is they like to do. But there's also a, a cost um, at the end of the, where they're working. So if they're in single person's quarters, that's not the same as living with your family in a, in a mining town or a, a country town that has, say, mining or, or some other um, some other kind of infrastructure work. So again, instead of the people going and living there, even when teachers used to go and they'd have their 10 weeks away from the centre, they'd go home and reconnect with people. They belonged to that community and sometimes they married and stayed in the community. Um, so it's, yeah, there's certainly a, a different skill set in some of the country towns. The podcast series we're doing is called Real Uniting Church. How do you think churches in rural and remote communities um, live out being the real uniting church in, in their communities? I think uniting church people have always been very generous. They've uh, invested themselves in the life of the community. They tend not to be sort of in a ghetto. They're often the people who are um, involved at the local PNC and they might be belonging to a service club or a QCWA or um, the local sporting club. So they, they gift their time to lots of different things, including the Uniting Church and things like Blue Care and um, Lifeline and the various uh, agencies. So um, they do that being salt and light really well, I think. Uh, and th at the same time, they're usually the people who are the hosts for maybe the local prayer group or um, a Bible study group, or they offer hospitality. Maybe they have someone board with them and uh, they open the, the doors of their house uh, to um, enable others to have an experience of country life which is supported. Um, so I think they do a really good job of being being the church in the community. We've talked about general pressures on rural communities. Are there specific challenges that young people face in rural communities and how is the church or has the church been addressing some of those challenges? I think uh, it's we often count how many young people are in a, a congregation and uh, the, the message that comes from the rural areas is that we have to send our kids away, sometimes even uh, at age around 12, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe to boarding school, because they just simply can't manage the long distance uh, travel in and out to uh, school. Then there's another wave where they go away uh, at the end of year 12, and again, uh, that's about getting an education and opportunities to, to um, means that they can prepare themselves for the wider world. Um, I think the church is pretty good actually at connecting with 
the younger ages through things like religious instruction in schools, uh, sometimes there are kids clubs. But what I think the, the young adults and the older teenagers miss is that gathering with a lot of people who are like-minded. And I think that's where things like uh, Easter Madness, National Christian Youth Convention, the uh, President's Young Leaders Conference, I think that's where they really are important. How could we establish better links across congregations, um, for example, is there is there a is there a way that if some young people were coming to university, we could that mm. congregation could link them into a congregation in Brisbane and mm. and have that relationship built? Does that already happen, or um, over the years that has happened? For example, for our young people, I know when YACMU, Youth and Children's Ministry Unit, was operating, they used to publish a little list of congregations that were well set up to be kind of welcoming centres for young people who'd come from the country. And because this happens in Townsville and Rockhampton and Cairns as well, where all mm. the different rural um, universities and colleges are. And in the years when we have more agricultural colleges in, in Longreach, in Gatton, those sort of places. I think these days it often happens by word of mouth, which uh, may be a little bit haphazard. listening to the Real Uniting Church podcast. Our two-part episode this month, we explore the Uniting Church's connection with rural and remote Australia. Right now, Kay is exploring this topic with Marty. Uh, we know that a lot of rural and remote congregations have to survive without an ordained person. Um, for times, sometimes years at a time, mm. and sometimes they share a specified minister across a number of locations so they may have a minister once a month say what kind of challenges does that put on the congregation and how do uh, congregations then step up in in those spaces I think we've got some really uh, hard-working people in some of our country churches they work through the week or you know in the in the farming community um, I think we have to appreciate that the rhythms of life are quite different in a country area. So, for example, when I was up around central Queensland, the people who were growing cane would say, we can, you know, the people who had a sort of lay preacher um, capacity, they'd say, we, we're very happy to lead worship, but not when we're doing the harvest. So they could uh, help a lot in across, say, February through to about the end of April, beginning of May, but then you had to take them off the roster because they were flat out. And it's, you know, different time frames for other kinds of communities where there's harvest or um, mustering or something like that. That means that there would be particular times of the year when they would benefit more by having someone who's not caught up with the rhythm of their local community. So a ministry agent or someone from elsewhere uh, who is able to offer some support. So I think we're, wherever we can, I think the church should be sending people with good training and strong experience in the life of the wider church. 
if we're talking about rural and remote areas, it's hard not to talk about frontier services. Uh, what is some of the legacy that that the Australian Inland Mission and then Frontier Services have um, grown for the church and for these communities? Frontier Services is a name that has had a lot of respect in country centres over a long time and Australian Inland Mission before that, of course. And I'd encourage uh, church members to take some time to read the story of John Flynn. I imagine he it was not all that easy to be with at times. I think he, he um, bothered people <laughs> into making some changes and that was good for, for the remote areas. Um, everything is a, a whole lot harder in the remote areas and my experience of that is really, really tiny. But as I've talked to people, uh, made some visits with John Case when he was the Burke and Wills patrol minister and um, just sitting with some of the families and you know you'd drive for an hour and a half between each property that you'd visit um, and they were fairly close to Charleville so that wasn't um, that wasn't such a remote area um, I, I think what's been good about Frontier Services is they've looked after everybody they haven't said no we're only here to visit our denomination We'll come and visit everybody. And if you have particular uh, requests that have to do with um, your life milestones and maybe um, you need a Catholic priest, well, we can make sure that you get connected in. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that has given them a lot of respect. Um, and also, the patrol padres found a way of making church happen in the strangest places. So they had the great outdoor cathedrals and people found that refreshing and I think people who didn't have a strong church tradition or of attending a formal church service, those kind of experiences were really positive. We gather, we have a barbecue, then we have worship, which is significant, but not uh, fitting all of the patterns of a traditional church. So I think that's another reason they've got a lot of respect. They found ways of connecting with people who, uh, for whom they didn't have a lot of um, formal church training, if you like, but also people who, a lot of country people spend a lot of time on their own. I remember hearing about a chap who, as he mustered the cattle and checked the fences, he said he had a lot of conversations with God um, and so they might not be, it's a, it's a different kind of spirituality. I think that's what um, the Frontier Services Padres have been able to connect with and nurture. And uh, over the years the work for aged care and the uh, support through Outback Links has also generated some respect as well. There are lots of people I've come across who have been able to go and help with Outback Links. Like every every Australian, it seems, has a little part of them that, that thinks they they have an Outback uh, bit of them. Something of them belongs at the beach, and something of them belongs <laughs> in the Outback. So if they have a chance to go and um, redo some fences after a disaster, 
or go and help a family where mum's in hospital um, recovering from something and help with the kids with their education which is happening over the air or by distance. A lot of people get great satisfaction out of being able to spend a bit of time in the outback even though they're mostly uh, not bushies. Yeah. What do you think the rural and remote church communities would want the city churches to know that they maybe haven't heard? Mm, that's a good question. I think, I think one of the things is that it is a lot of things are a whole lot harder. So if someone gets cancer, even in the community I live in, which is only you know two and a half hours to three hours away from Brisbane, if someone gets cancer and they have to go and stay in hospital, then someone in the family has to go with them and whatever normally happens at home on their property has to be done by somebody else. And it's often done by neighbours and friends. Um, and you know, this could be for several months. And so there's a cost to staying in Brisbane. I think they like it when the church gathers and they can have more than 10 people at once singing a song. That, so gathering at things like synods and presbyteries is a really good boost for their morale and their sense of belonging to um, the wider church is important. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at the Real United Church podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the Real United Church podcast. Delighted to be joined today by Arthur Chuton. Arthur's uh, leading the Central Queensland Presbytery's Remote Area Ministry Project. Been in that project for about 18 months now and about six months to go. That's it. That's correct, Scott. Great to have you with us, Arthur. Thank you. Um, let me let me just dive right in and say, orient us to the project. Where to start? What's the kind of objectives? You know, okay. where, where are you landing? So the um, Central Queensland Presbytery uh, realised that that uh, there's a lot of pressure for ministry off the coast, basically. So, yeah, okay. so we have our regional centres uh, like Mackay, yeah, yeah. Rockhampton, Gladstone, yep, yep. Um, which which seem to be travelling all right. They, yep. st- like any regional centre, really, still yeah, yeah. still need need to yeah. help. But but other areas off the coast, um, we're talking small congregations. We're talking um, what does it mean in some cases not to have a ministry a minister uh, a ministry agent, and what can be done about that uh, is it important even to be there and this is some of what we've talked about in the lead up and so the central queensland presbytery decided to to instigate a project for up to two years called the remote area ministry uh, project uh, of which i'm the facilitator for that uh, to work with with congregations off the coast to uh, to listen to their stories uh, to provide um, encouragement um, to to have have a view that they're not alone, yeah. uh, or but but also to to say okay how can we do ministry in these areas, not just now but into the future. Yeah. So so what does it mean to to be a viable church in in that area, and we've come to the conclusion that viability. Why we do need to talk um, perhaps finance and and uh, and numbers of people. Uh, viability is about doing God's mission in a community at, at that time. And so um, in, in Blackwater, for instance, um, we have a, a, a person, um, uh, Beth Baker, she 
she's appeared in Journey a few times. Yeah. And um, the legend that is Beth Baker. <laughs> the legend yeah. that is Beth Baker. Yeah, uh, and Beth basically uh, looks at, at running the church. They only have a, a small group. They meet together in the church building, and and uh, they have a service called a couple with Jesus. A couple with Jesus. A couple with Jesus. And uh, I'm convinced that Jesus would be a chocolate milkshake drinker myself, <laughs> not a cup of tea drinker. But that's just a. Personal well, I, I would personally go for coffee. <laughs> um, oh, that's not a theological statement, by the way. That's oh, well, I, no, well, no I, I, I think there must be theology there somewhere. I, for the life theology of me, I can't think of what it, what what no, it is, no. but. Anyway, they have a couple with Jesus, yeah, yeah. Um, a sort of more informal service. It, it's um, it's more like a, a, a home group yeah. that just happens to meet in the church yeah, yeah. that values the, 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 the young people that they have yeah. and seeks to incorporate them um, in a new way. So it's a fresh expression. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we... we we look at how we can encourage um, Beth. We we look at other areas where there's no minister. We look at uh, how we can uh, at least look at doing worship at this time, um, and and so we have the presbytery has instigated various training um, models. We're we're also investigating um, electronic um, live streaming yeah. of services, which yeah, yeah. could be hooked up between Rockhampton and some area, or Mackay and yeah. and some area. Uh, we, so we have a number of lay people that have taken services. One, one lay person in in Clermont, um, had, <coughs> had never taken had, until recently had never taken a service, and there was two people in, in the congregation who do take services, and they were both away, and all of a sudden there's a funeral, wow. and. And uh, so not just were, your run of the mill, sorry, run of the mill, not just your regular no, no, and, service. And and they said, you know, people were saying, well, who can take this funeral? And she put up her hand and said, I'll, I'll do it. Now, I, I think that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, um, not something I'm putting my hand up for, I'll say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, th- I think she, it, it takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after that, she has begun to take um, services. Yeah, yeah. She needs help yeah, and, yeah. and she get, needs guidance. Yeah. And, and part of my role is to provide some of that help and guidance. Um, yeah, yeah. So we've done various workshops and training. Yeah. But she also t- asks the people in the congregation, and, and um, is it is it a full exegetical sermon? Um, I wouldn't think so. But yeah. but in some ways, she is proclaiming the yeah. word of God yes. to those people in that setting. In that setting, yeah. because of her relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, um, in, in other places, uh, we, we, we work with uh, with ministers uh, in, in settlement, Longreach, uh, Central West, which is Barcald and Blackall. Yeah. Um, so it's seeking to to encourage the congregation to to help them look at their mission, to say, okay, who are we in this place at this yeah. time in this rural community, yeah. and and what difference can, can we make? Let me let me just backtrack. Uh, I want to pick up on a couple of things that you've talked about there because that that was there was kind of a lot of rich stuff there. The first the first thing I noticed was that you talked about having had the opportunity to go and listen to stories of places, and and I just I just wonder. I mean, that must be at times inspiring, and at times almost heartbreaking. Like, you know, when you when you and that, and that diversity of stories that you must have encountered over the, over your travels. It is, I tend to to focus more on the positive yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, but there, there are the hard 
breaking yeah. stories of of, uh, of people who who uh, have been on the land for a long time, generations, yeah. um, with their family. Listening to the stories is, as you say, both inspiring and and um, and you 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 see even in the heartbreak there is this hope and connection and and yeah. um, relationship with with God. Um, bearing in mind that that um, I, I I encourage the I work with congregations. Um, so ministers in placement would, would do the what we would call the um, pastoral care visitation yes. yeah, yeah. that sort of thing so I seek to encourage that yeah, yeah. those ministers um, obviously you know the boundaries get crossed at times uh, so I seek to encourage congregations but and, and so in that um, you, you can hear the stories I also seek to make connections with community people and just to hear the stories of community um, and and even in that you can hear yeah. uh, stories of, of hope yeah. Um, but you can also hear the yeah, the, kind of brokenness, the brokenness, the, the, damage the, or the, the the flood damage that has come, you know, in in one community yeah, four yeah. years or three years or something in yeah, yeah, in a row, and, yeah. and and what does that Just mean? Just relentlessness of it. It, it, it is, yeah. and 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 so therefore our task is it's how do we bring the hope that we have in Jesus to yeah. to these people, um, yeah, in, in their situation. The other, the other thing I wanted to, to just uh, explore for a minute uh, that you mentioned was this notion of um, streaming services, you know, internet mm. video streaming. And I mean, a, without going into the kind of technical details of how it works, because that's not so important, um, obviously that offers um, something of uh, lifeline is not quite the right word, but, but an opportunity for a, a community or a congregation to uh, continue to be resourced in worship. You know when they might not be able to otherwise. Is that that's part of the picture it, there? It is. It's also uh, not only worship, but for example, Bible studies okay. um, at, yep, yep. during the week or, yeah, or, okay. or whatever. So you could have someone uh, sitting in Rockhampton leading the Bible study with someone from Mara yep. and someone yep. from Moranbar yeah, yeah. and someone yep. from Longreach. So yep. there's that possibility. So so there's that connection. I, I think it also. Uh, gives a sense of um, the church is is bigger than the local community. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I, I think that sometimes gives a picture of hope yeah. as well. So, so we look at a, a community of 20, 30 people, forty people maybe, and and sometimes less, uh, yeah. like Alpha Jericho. Yeah. And and you think, okay, we're all alone here. Yeah, a bit isolating. A bit isolating. Yeah. But to see by live streaming that that you you at least connect yeah. to a church that's bigger in Rockhampton yeah, yeah. or Mackay yeah. um, I, I think would would give a picture of yeah we're not alone that yeah. there is something bigger and it's not a I, I don't envisage it as a one-way thing so you know Rockhampton provides the ministry so it's and not the a broadcast and as such. it's not a broadcast it's a yeah. dialogue yeah. and and it could be possible that someone in the uh, in the West could be leading the prayers yeah. Uh, readings, even yeah. a sermon yeah, okay. um, yeah. for Rocky, uh, yeah. and, and maybe maybe a cup of tea with Jesus. Maybe a cup of tea yeah. with Jesus. <laughs> I don't stand. know how you pour pass the cup of tea through, but I'll or coffee. In, I'll sit in my lounge room with a milkshake, and yeah. we'll hook up to uh, Blackwater for a cup of tea with Jesus. Yeah. 
what's the impact in 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 that space of um you know when when it comes time to kind of thinking about preaching or proclaiming or teaching often you know the context of what's happening in that community comes to the fore in that that's obviously more difficult when we're talking about preparing a message or a teaching or a sermon that might be being shared with you know another community you know in a in a, a very different context um, that that would be the the difficulty of the live streaming because yeah. Rockhampton has different, as you say, had mm. different issues, yeah. different community um, yeah. uh, demographics yeah, yeah. Um, issues than than would Mara or, yeah. or Claremont yeah. or Capella, yeah. and and so the question is how do we we relate so that yeah. both are, are, are fed by by yeah, God's yeah. word on that yes. day. Yeah. And, and I think that's something we've got to experiment. We're only in the early stages of this, so we've got to experiment yeah. with, with that. But I think if it, 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 it's a sharing, and, and I'd say Rockhampton can share their story, yeah. uh, one of the other congregations can share their story. It could be multiple congregations yeah. linked yeah. as well. Yes. Um, so it's that sharing of stories, I, I would think, um, the the mutual respect for 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 the other and yeah. and the the view that we're all in it together yeah yeah um, but also the view that the city coach the false view I think that the city congregations are strong and the country congregations or rural yeah. congregations are weak yes. um, I I don't th- see them as as necessarily being weak uh, vulnerable certainly yes but not yeah. not weak they, they yeah that's it that's a helpful distinction, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to go back to a couple with Jesus Blackwater, yeah. they're doing something different. Yes. But they're vulnerable because yes. we've mentioned Beth. If, yeah, if yeah. Beth were to leave or something, yeah, yeah. It, it would have a whole big yeah. um, impact upon yes. that congregation. Yeah. So, so vulnerable, yes. I think, is, is yeah. the word. Yeah. And so why they have two different demographics, two different... Um, sets of circumstances that they're relating to hopefully there's, there's that interaction that that um, mutual respect and sharing as i said it's in the early stages how it actually pans out we've got to experiment with i guess you're listening to the real uniting church podcast a special two-part episode this month as we explore the uniting church's connection with rural and remote australia I'm exploring this topic with the Reverend Arthur Tutin. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Um, so I have two questions remaining. The first is, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you them both, um, and then we'll, and we'll work through them. The first is, you know, what, like from the work that you've done, what do you see as the principal challenges for the Uniting Church and its ongoing engagement in rural and remote Australia? Um, and secondly, the flip side of that, what do you see as the principal opportunities or possibilities? Or Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the challenges are that very vulnerability yeah. that I, I just mentioned. Um, when you have a small congregation, and, and mm-hmm. in central Queensland, um, the congregations off the coast... Uh, generally speaking. Are, are generally small. speaking small. Yeah. Uh, even Emerald, which is, would be the biggest, is... is uh, on the small, yeah. the smaller side of yeah, some yeah. of the other, con- so there's that vulnerability, and and uh, the question of okay, uh, how can we pass the mantle on that, or 
apostolic succession or whatever term yeah, you yeah. want how can we we pass that on to 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 others what happens if if uh, if people leave that's that's one of the the uh, the challenges the other and um, another of the challenges is the continuing impact by uh, of outside forces drought yeah flood yeah, yeah. cyclones yeah, yeah. Um, so there's all these natural yeah, impacts yeah, yeah. Uh, there is still the problem of of uh, relating to community uh, that that um, according to census information that that have a, a rural depopulation yeah. happening. Um, you can see that in 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 every community. So not that, just the mining community. Not just the mining yeah. community. Between the 2011 census, 2016 yeah. census, you can see that population numbers okay. have have. Uh, Decreased and therefore services have yeah, been yeah, decreased. Yeah. Um, those sorts of pressures impact upon the church yeah. a, a, as well uh, in in rural communities. But I also think it's a there's a challenge yeah. uh, um, that, uh, and I I think that in in rural communities and other places too, we've forgotten how to invite people both to to Jesus and to the yeah. church. Um, and there's an assumption in, in some places where uh, because people are within the church are also involved in Rotary or yeah. or uh, whatever group yeah, in the yeah. community yeah. that they that the community uh, that the members of the church thinks that the community knows all about the church yeah, okay. which isn't quite yeah. true I found yes. this is all the the sort of yeah, negative yeah. side of yeah, it, yeah. but I, I see it as yeah. the, the challenge. And and so, what does it mean to invite people both to to church and to to that relationship of hope yeah. and love and peace that we have with Jesus? I think that's a challenge, but I think there's also an opportunity. I I, I think in in terms of presence, I, I use that word uh, I shared about more about earlier. Mm-hmm. Because of the circumstances of people moving yes. out of town when they yeah. lost their job, and because there's no um, resident clergy person for the Uniting Church yeah. in that community, uh, we had no presence in the yeah, town. Yeah. And and I'm not talking just necessarily clergy. No, but that's but, but can be part of the picture, can't it? But that meant that that the church struggled, mm. whereas other churches, other denominations within Moorumbah uh, did have a presence. And so I, I see uh, the importance of presence, either ordained or, or, or lay, as being a significant factor which would uh, be able to, on the positive side, bring a sense of hope to the community. Uh, also in central Queensland we're looking at things like partnerships, um, which are uh, mutual covenant, covenanting between congregations, okay. and, and that gives us a sense of, of uh, being in it together. Being, being there for each other, um, bringing mutual hope yeah. a, and respect. And I think that we can also say that it, it could be seen almost like a specialised ministry, just as chaplaincy is, is a yeah. specialised ministry yep. Yep. Or, yep. or large congregation, mm. mega church mm. is, is a specialised ministry. I think that uh, rural congregations are a specialised ministry within that. Mm. And... And it's also the recognition that not all um, rural situations are, are painted with the same brush. They're yes. all different, yeah, yeah. Um, and and we respond to them differently. Do we 
have the patrol or do we combine congregations yeah. just for the expediency of combining congregations yeah, yeah. do we encourage lay people do we yeah. work ecum- uh, ecumenically uh, these are all questions that yeah, yeah. that we need to ask and, and are asking and so our project in central queensland is is to look at how for our area yeah. um, how we can do ministry off the coast yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of, of viability as i suggested viability previously yeah i reckon that is about the perfect place to wrap up this conversation arthur thanks so much for joining us at the reuniting church thank you scott it's been a pleasure